0: Yodley, Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 15, early, early Thursday morning, and I'm coming to you later in the week than usual because, honestly, this has been a pretty crazy week for me. Things have been very busy with real work, and I've also been a bit under the weather, but that had nothing to do at all with me doing a Flamingo beer bong at 1am after the Phil Collins concert the other night. Nothing to do with that. Anyways, no guests in this episode. We do have some guests lined up for you, though, in upcoming weeks. This episode is going to be a handicapping episode. I'm going to get a little more towards the nuts and bolts of handicapping games and how I approach my handicapping process. That's what I I intended to do with this podcast and why I wanted to start it in the first place, to share some of the techniques that I've learned, and and help create a community who bets smart and has fun doing it. Remember, it's like the stock market, but with sports. It's the best way I can describe it. And that's what drew me in. And those who see the market differently and invest accordingly win. And as sports betting is legalized state by state and the stigma around it continues to go away, people will realize that if you're educated about this and if you encourage responsible and intelligent betting, then it's good for everyone involved, including the sportsbooks. So, in this episode, I will get into a quick legal update, then I'll jump into some more advanced handicapping techniques, and then I'll have a little look ahead at this weekend's card. But first, here is your sports betting legal update. Last week, New Mexico became the sixth state to welcome sports betting within its borders. Illinois and Indiana both held hearings last week in their respective legislative chambers to discuss sports betting legislation and bring up some potential issues. In Indiana, I am pleased to announce that the efforts by the leagues to implement an integrity fee for their data took another hit. The NBA's counsel, a guy named Dan Spillane, caught a lot of heat for trying to argue in favor of these types of integrity fees which, let's be real, it's just the leagues wanting to put their hand in the cookie jar. But he was quickly shot down by a few representatives who poked holes into that argument. And this is developing news, but yesterday the Indiana Supreme Court issued an opinion favoring DraftKings and FanDuel in a very important case about rights to player statistics and likeness. In a nutshell, um, the case that went to the Indiana Supreme Court involved uh, right to publicity and player likeness and Three former college football players argued that daily fantasy sports operators like DraftKings and FanDuel were violating the law by using their names, their pictures, and their statistics, but the Indy Supreme Court disagreed, saying that the right to publicity excludes information that is of public interest or newsworthy value to another party, and there's also First Amendment concerns at play here, but I don't want to get you stuck in the weeds, but Basically, just understand that this result may have an impact on the efforts made by sports leagues and players unions to control the type of information that these daily fantasy sports sites use, and this can have a carryover effect in the sports betting realm. Regarding Illinois, I'll have another update for you in the upcoming uh, weeks in an upcoming episode where I dive into the state of things in this state with an obvious eye on where things are going to go in the next few months and years, but... These are very exciting times, and the updates are literally daily. There's so much news out there, and for any up-to-date news, I encourage you to check out legalsportsreport.com. That's a very good website, and David Purdom of ESPN is another very good follow on Twitter with up-to-date news. All right, let's get to some handicapping theory. Nearby football rules! So over the course of time on this podcast, I'm going to unveil the curtain, so to speak, and show how the sausage is made in terms of how I go about handicapping games and how I've learned to do it over the past few years. It's complicated, so I'm going to peel back the onion one layer at a time. I think that's the best way to do it. So let's be real here. It's hard as hell to handicap sports. If it was easy or even semi-easy, then everyone would do it, but it's, it's not easy. The first thing you have to do is check your ego at the door. Everyone out there is a sports guy and follows their teams and watches games and reads ESPN and listens to Barstool podcasts. There are, there are tons of sports guys out there. Everyone is one, pretty much. Your co-workers, the guys standing next to you at the bar, the guys you overhear talking about the game on the train during your morning commute, everyone thinks they know a lot about sports. And honestly, there are plenty of guys out there, and ladies even, who know more About sports than you or I do, but that's okay. That's not what matters. They're the public. That guy who just watched the game and is reacting to what he just saw and will bet him what he wants to see instead of what he thinks is going to happen is precisely the person you want to be going up against. I don't know who said it, but someone said it. If you're not sure whether you're the sharp of the square, you're a square. There really isn't a definition of sharp out there that I can universally find, but to me, A sharp is someone who's able to remove their emotion from it all completely, think clear-headedly, and find value in the betting market that the general person can't find or won't find. The next thing you have to do is realize that this is a numbers game, and I've harped on this in the past. I'm not a numbers guy myself, not really, but these types of numbers are the ones that I can get excited about because, I mean, they involve sports. And as the legendary Jimmy Vaccaro says... Joe's bet teams and pros bet numbers, and it really is that simple. So as I've said, I originate in football and basketball, and by originate I mean I come up with my own numbers. It took me years of tinkering to get this process down, and I would be short-sighted if I said that it's all still not a work in progress, I'm still learning every day. And like I said in an earlier episode, when handicapping a game and determining whether you think that there's value enough to invest in it, or whether or not you want to make a bet, you have to consider a multitude of factors. Your numbers, home field advantage, and all the intangibles that are involved. I touched on that in an earlier episode. But it all starts with the meat and the bones, the numbers. It's all about the numbers. Now, I don't want to discourage you for not spending an assload of time like me tinkering with numbers and making predictive models, Your numbers can be as little as interpreting the number that is the spread for the game. But you're going to start with the numbers and go from there. And in this episode, when getting to the numbers aspect of handicapping, the handicapping pillar, if you will, that I'm going to start with, is, in my opinion, the most important one. And that is grading games. Grading games. Grading games is, simply put, the single most important thing you can do as a sports handicapper now what do i mean by grading games it's a loaded loaded concept but essentially grading games is taking the numbers associated with a game and inputting those numbers into your database or, or your model or what have you but it's much much more than that if it was as easy as just inputting numbers into a system like total yardage in a game or total points scored on or against and using those numbers to set a line then winning would be easy not so fast Grading games is a lot more than just looking at the numbers you can take from the box score results of any given game. It's looking past the raw numbers and actually trying to interpret them, while also weeding out the bad numbers that may lie and not tell the true story of the game. And each game being its own story is an important concept to grasp early on, the post game box score numbers may not tell the true arc of the way the story unfolded in the game. And this story arc concept is one that I learned from the late great David Malinsky, who always stressed that it's not just about the numbers, but what's the story behind the numbers. And he'd always quote a little Shakespeare to illustrate this concept from Hamlet, Act 2, Scene 2. More relative than this, the play's the thing, wherein I'll catch the conscience of the king. The play's the thing. Sports betting in Shakespeare, who'd have thought, huh? But there's a connection here, and it's important to understand it. The point is that it's not just about how you interpret the numbers, which is important in its own right, but also realizing that understanding the human nature component and its connection to the numbers is just as crucial. And Malinsky used to say that we're not out to catch the conscience of the king, but rather to better improve our ability to interpret the events. And to quote him because his way with the words on the subject were way better than mine are, So how does the handicapper sort through game flows? The greatness of Shakespeare came in his ability to develop characters and his unique understanding of the nuances of human behavior came fully into play. He did not have a novel through which to gradually allow a character to evolve. For so many of his creations, there were human beings that would only have a few handfuls of spoken lines and he had to make their nature come across within those limitations. Shakespeare did that in a way that perhaps no one else ever will. And it is in attempting to treat sport that way that we can create the opportunity to be successful. What you first must do is not look for certainty in scoreboards. It won't be there. While that may seem like a severe hindrance, it isn't. Everyone else in this endeavor has to deal with the same thing. And it is in developing an ability to outmaneuver the others in the game that you take a step forward. One of those major steps is first to accept scores and stats for what they are, and then to dig deeper into those results to find the highest truth that you can find. The reality is that the scoreboard and the box score are not endpoints, and for all that really do want to get ahead of the game, those numerical constructs are often only the beginning of the process. Now, Malinsky was the man, next level, that's why they called him the professor, but understanding that handicapping is as much of an art as it is a science is key, and that handicap and figuring out which numbers matter all starts with grading the games that have already happened. But how do you do it? It's easy to look at the box score and notice the yardage difference between the two teams and jump to conclusions like, Oh man, Eli Manning had 399 passing yards against the Falcons. He must have had a great game. Or, oh, the Bucks outgained so-and-so by 200 yards, so they shouldn't have lost by that many. Doing things like that is lazy. And for starters, one simple exercise to illustrate that this notion is looking at the turnover battle within a football game. That can offer you clues as to the story of how that game unfolded, like when the Browns got a plus-five turnover edge against the Steelers. But then there's the added caveat that you also have to look at seeing if the turnover difference would would be predictive moving forward if they played the game again or if it was just entirely random for the nfl turnovers are almost entirely random whereas in college football it is a it's a lot different when teams like alabama with unique and next level athletic ability they're almost a lock to get at least one defensive touchdown in each game they play but that's another story but looking behind the numbers and ridding yourself of of numbers that can plague your database for each game is what will make the numbers you put into your database or model more predictive for the future Remove the fluff. If you play fantasy football, then you're probably well aware of garbage yards. Or what about those yards that the backup quarterback gets for half of the fourth quarter in a blowout game? Those stats go into the box score, and many lazy handicappers and even some odds odds makers out there will use those stats as part of their formulas. And if you can master the art and the science of sifting through those stats and plucking out the bad ones and even emphasizing good ones while noting outliers... That's where you can get ahead of the game. So here's one concept that I will use to demonstrate this approach, and it's very helpful in my football database when I grade out the games. I've learned that for every rushing touchdown that goes for more than 40 yards, I cap it at 40 yards, with the idea being that the added yardage is more indicative of the field position than the relative merits of the play or the way the offense or defense executed that particular play. And I've heard that... Some people even attach only 20 yards to any long field endgame runs where the defense is stacking the box with anyone or, sorry, with everyone and trying to prevent a first down instead of a touchdown. And there's a great deal of merit to this idea in my eyes. If a player breaks an 80-yard touchdown against a crowded box just trying to prevent a first down, you know, trying to prevent, like, three or four yards, then it still goes down to the box scores and 80, 80 rushing yards. But those stats clutter the, the real story. And getting those bad stats out of your database is an example of where you can find the edge one stat at a time on the flip side when you look to properly grade out a game and you're looking at the story of the way the game unfolded it's important not to jump to conclusions just because the game was a blowout doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that the end game stats shouldn't automatically be thrown out Like if the favorite won by a lot, were they trying to run up the score in both football and basketball? There are instances of this happening. Uh, for, For example, a team trying to impress the college football committee with a margin of victory, or another example, a new basketball coach trying to teach his team the way he wants to play and refusing to let up when they're beating down an opponent. Sometimes there are instances when the underdog just gives up once a competitive game gets away from them, but the favorite keeps their feet on the pedal. These types of judgments are key, like when you're looking at at the game and assessing the stats from the game that you're ultimately going to put into your database or your system, and they ultimately drive the way that your numbers look for a team moving forward. So it's very important to look at which numbers matter. I mean, first-half numbers usually always matter, Um, garbage yards at the end of the half being the exception, but it's really more the end game stuff that you really got to look at. But for me, I grade out each NFL game because it's it's manageable for me and I pay a small amount for stats on some sites that I get some propi- proprietary analytics from that me or any one person simply just doesn't have the time to compile on our own the NBA well good luck sifting through all that there there's a lot of numbers out there to be found but so much of it is fluff since the player rotations are up in the air and teams openly tank this year the NBA has been it's been a very interesting start in the NBA and in uh, terms of scoring and the apparent memo to the referees to to call the hand checking even more vigorously, but I'll save that for a future episode. Um, But grading games in college football and college basketball is a different story. I pick and choose there. Obviously I don't have the time to do all of them, but I do use trusted sources who I trust to grade the games properly uh, for those statistics. And if you're like, well, how the hell do I find the time to grade games and put numbers into a database? If I, If I can offer only one piece of advice here, it's to focus in on one very specific sport and even more directly, one specific division or conference within a sport. So if it's college hoops, for example, knowing a lot about teams in the Big Ten is a lot better than knowing a little about all of the big conference teams. It's better than to know a lot about a little in this regard and really honing in on one area and specializing is the way to go. That's what I try to do with my college basketball and college football, where I focus more on the Bigger conferences and some select smaller conferences. Like, Don't get me started on college hoops and the Mac games. I'm in love with that shit. But when it comes down to it, your numbers for your database or however you want to use the numbers all stem from the box score game numbers from the team and or player's performance on the field. And grading these games and sifting through the numbers to try and find the truth in them is where you want to start as a sports handicapper. It seems daunting, but it's it, it's there for the taking. You can do it. If I can do it, you totally can. Football Outsiders uses a fantastic variation of this where they take things a step further and grade out every play in every game. In short, they deem a football play as successful or a failure not based on the total amount of yardage gained or lost on the play, but rather within the construct of what the expectations were going into that play so for example let's say that for one play a team gains 15 yards on a run play and in another play that same team gains four yards on a run play well you'd think the the 15 yard run play is obviously the more successful play duh right what if i told you that the first run play the 15 yarder came on third and 25 but the second play the four yard game came on third and two that changes the story a bit doesn't it that's the basic premise behind what Aaron Schatz and Football Outsiders do. Um, that's some next-level stuff that they do because they, they go out and grade every play. They they literally, a lot of their statistics, uh, I use them because they actually take the time to go through and grade out every single play, which takes time that I simply don't have. Um, but the issue here is that this is information that is not lost to the oddsmakers or even other bettors who use these numbers to bet into the market, so... Even going through and grading out each play is just the starting point. But otherwise, there's a ton of information out there, free information uh, for you to find. Your challenge, though, in today's day and age, it's even harder than, than ever before. But your challenge is to sift through the utter bullshit out there and find information that matters. And stuff that the general person is not necessarily going to see. That's where you find the edges. That's how you win but there are some great sources for very sound um, statistics that you can plug into your own formulas for college basketball. Ken Pomeroy's rankings are pretty much the Holy Grail. Um, Odds makers everywhere rely on, on his rankings so much and his ratings are just, they're very good. He literally moves lines Uh, for both college basketball and college football. Jeff Sagarin is one of the best ratings guys out there. And as I've mentioned before, Warren Sharp is doing incredible things over at Sharp football stats and, sharpfootballanalysis.com he's the premier totals guy out there in the in the NFL in my opinion and his thinking is so next level that if I if I became GM of the Bears he's the first person I would hire kind of like how Mark Cuban just hired Bob Vulgaris, a professional sports better to be the director of quantitative research and and development for the Dallas Mavs that's what I'd do with with uh, Warren Sharp but anyway I understand that I'm introducing a very confusing and complicated concept for some of you, grading games. Um, it's not as difficult as it sounds, and the key is not to be overwhelmed by it and just take it one step at a time. Take all of your, take all of your problems and break them apart, to quote uh, Jack White. And in an upcoming episode, I will delve even more into this and, and the process of grading games and also the process of setting totals as well. Just as a tease, setting totals in the NFL has a lot to do with yards per play and a team's pace of play, and in basketball it has a whole lot to do with pace and points per 100 possessions, but I won't jump into that today. But I will have more on grading games and what the numbers, matter for what numbers do matter for my model and how I go about the numbers in upcoming episodes. It's, it's the bread and butter, baby. All right, it's time for some look-aheads at the upcoming slate in college football and the NFL. Yeah, baby! (laughs) Dude, I can't believe it's going to be week nine of the college football season already. Where's the time gone? One of my top recommendations on last weekend's podcast was taking the points with Purdue at home as they hosted Ohio State, and the Boilermakers' 29-point victory over the Buckeyes was the third-largest by a non-ranked team over a top-two opponent in AP poll history. So for Purdue this week, they go to visit Michigan State um, in Michigan, and I think this is a classic letdown spot here after the big home victory for the Boilermakers. Um, I put some Michigan State money line in pocket at minus 120, and I think it's a good angle there. Um, Might look to add more kind of trying to pay attention to how things are going with Michigan State this week in practice after that that big uh, loss at home to Michigan last weekend. And there's another blowout spot, um, or at least a letdown spot. Sorry, not a blowout spot. A letdown spot that's in play this week uh, involving Washington State coming off their first college game day win in Pullman over Oregon last Saturday night. Um, probably going to lay off fading Washington State because they, they visit Stanford and they're getting three points at Stanford this weekend, but I think Washington State, from what I've seen, um, they could be the real deal. If anything, I will look at Stanford first half in that one because Stanford, when you look at their fourth quarter stats, it's oh my God, it's terrible. And and I think that there's a pretty big coaching edge there uh, for Leach and Washington State um, after halftime. So I might look at Stanford first half, but otherwise, taking a look at Michigan State hosting Purdue on the letdown spot angle. We have a triple revenge angle for South Florida, catching a touchdown against Houston this weekend. You can bet your ass that's, that South Florida has had this game circled all year. They've only lost two of their last 24 games, and those were by four and seven points, including loss last year to South Florida. But they're 6-0 against the spread in conference revenge spots, and the numbers also show that the USF and the South Florida defense has a relative advantage in this matchup here. And a great angle from Mark Lawrence. If you look at opponents' average scoring, the last 19 times um, that Houston has taken on an undefeated team, and they've allowed more than 20 points in that game, they're 2-17 and 17 straight up in those games. And I'm certain that South Florida, those kids are aware of the point spread in this one, and they have this game circled on the calendar, so I'll take the 7 here and sprinkle some some money line on the underdog. Iowa is a very interesting look at Penn State this Saturday. It's really exciting being a Hawkeye fan right now because um, they're playing so well and they're actually, they've been underrated by the betting market, which is pretty rare for me, actually. I mean, when you look back a few years ago, they're probably the most overrated team, but the Vegas, when they went undefeated, but Vegas knew better and priced them accordingly. But this time it's not necessarily true, in my opinion. Iowa has the number three overall defense in the country and they're number two against the run and when they're playing penn state this saturday that's the exact same type of style that michigan state brought to happy valley a few weeks ago when they upset the nittany lions a strong rushing defense so and i heard another stat when iowa plays three games in a row and allow 125 yards or less in the ground game they're 25 and 10 against the spread so i actually might take a look at the hawkeyes here if they can get plus seven if i can get a full touchdown i'll definitely put that in pocket um We'll see where that line goes, but I think the Hawkeyes are definitely a live dog in that game. Moving on to the NFL, I have put one play into pocket. That's the Detroit Lions hosting the Seattle Seahawks. I found it at minus 2.5, but I think this one's good, up to minus 3 with a with, uh, little juice. Uh, I know the Seahawks are coming off a bye, but this line is saying that these are roughly equal teams, and I have this actually lied to my numbers at around minus 4.5. So we're getting a little bit of value there. NFL value is hard to come by, but I got it at minus 2.5, so that's good if they win by a field goal, which is massive, getting that that extra half point. Uh, if the Packers get up to plus 10, then I will probably take them for a small investment. I've, I have have that one lined pretty close, around eight eight 8.5. Uh, but getting a full 10 points with Aaron Rodgers is a rare spot, even on the road against the best team in the NFL. So if it gets to 10, I'll probably put a little in pocket. If it goes up above 10 to 10.5, 10 then... Probably add more. Um, in terms of leans, I lean the Vikings um, at Pickham at home against the the Saints. They won both times against the Saints last year at home, and obviously a way better quarterback this time around. But the Vikings' defense has been a huge issue, obviously. Um, and I also lean the Bills catching two touchdowns at home. It's an ugly spot, but this is the kind of spot I really like to bet usually in the NFL. Getting two full touchdowns at home with a loud and enthusiastic Monday night home crowd is a spot I like to be in. And, you know, it's tough because they're facing the Patriots. It's a rivalry uh, divisional game. But even if the Bills are down by 20 in the fourth quarter here, they could still sneak through the back door. So it's going to be less points scored. So I think the points are more valuable. I'll probably put a little bit of Bills in pocket, but there's no rush on that one because no one's in a rush to back the Bills right now. And all the money is going to be coming in on the Patriots on Monday night for that one. Uh, another lean I have is the Raiders at plus three at home against the Colts, but that probably won't. I probably won't be on that one either since the Raiders have made it clear to everyone in that franchise that they're doing the rebuild. It's hard for a team to get up in a situation like that, but I'm, the numbers say it might be worth a look, but I'm probably going to stay away from that one, plus the Colts. They're only two games back in their division, and they think they can go on a little run here, so I'm, uh, I'm going to probably steer clear of that. So that'll do it in terms of look-aheads and... Uh, this episode of the doggy juice podcast. Thank you for listening. I'll be back later in the week with a more in-depth look at the weekend card and college football in the NFL. And we'll also be back with some new guests the next few weeks. Just a quick reminder, the doggy juice challenge. I post the lines for the super contests variation that I take part in on my Twitter and Instagram at doggy juice every Thursday afternoon. All you have to do is just send me your favorite five games against the spread. If you go 5-0, you win a $25 Venmo prize. Just include your Monday night football total scores. the tiebreaker uh, in case more than one guy or lady goes 5-0. We've already had someone do it. And A few weeks ago, we had Zizzle Bizzle go 5-0 and, and win the $25 Venmo prize. So hope someone else does it soon. Hope someone wins. Otherwise, I will, um, I'll be back in a few days. It's good talking to you guys. Good luck with your action. I'll talk to you soon. Doggy Juice, out. <coughs>